Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Beginning in verse 29, if you're looking at verse 29, please say amen. Amen. Then he, Jesus, spoke to them a parable. I want you to underline this. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. Underline that. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Surely I say to you, this generation, this generation will by no means pass till all these things take place. In verse 33, very important, could somebody read it with me? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. In the interest of time, let's read verses 34 through 36. But take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day, that day refers to the tribulation. I'll tell you more. And that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. If you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know that I tell you all the time, context, context, context. Context is very important. Reading Scripture, are you listening? Reading Scripture in its context is important. You cannot lift a Scripture out of its context And then begin to tell someone what it means. That's called eisegesis. You are isolating the text away from its context. That's what we call bad. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Uh Uh-huh. Bad. Don't do that. Context, context, context is important. The context of what Jesus is talking about is the end times. The tribulation, the second coming. Look at verse 28 in your Bibles. In verse 28, Jesus said, now when these things begin to happen, do what, saints? Look up. Do what? Look up. And do what else? Lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Jesus told them when these things begin to happen, what things? Well, the last time that we were together, we talked about these things is a reference to the cataclysmic cosmic events in the sun, the moon, the stars. 
There's going to be pestilence and famine during the tribulation. 90-pound hailstones are going to be falling on people's heads. And people are going to be crying out for the rocks to fall on them. If you weren't here, I will tell you, I think this is a very important teaching. I don't know that there are any copies left in the bookstore. You might want to stop by and pick up one. Three bucks. I think they're three bucks. Are they three bucks? Three bucks. And if you don't have three bucks, and you go to the bookstore and you tell them, I don't have three bucks, and tell them Pastor Rodney said, give it to you free. All right? Now let me be clear. If you don't have three bucks... Because some folks, you got, you got to keep it real. Some folks will go in there, Pastor Ronnie said, give it to me free. I did not say that. I said, if you don't have three bucks, get it. The CD, it's important. Talking about when these things happen, Jesus says that we are to look up. Notice it doesn't say when you see these things happen that you should look at CNN. Amen. Amen. It doesn't say when these things happen, look at MSNBC or chew your fingernails. It says, look up because your redemption draws near. And then in verse 29 in your Bibles, then Jesus spoke a parable to them. The Calvary Chapel people, I need your help. Remember, I told you a parable is what? An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus tells them a parable of a fig tree and All the trees. Now, the fig tree in Israel, and even today, is a very common fruit tree in Israel. They're planted all over the place. People's backyards, on the side of the road, fig trees are everywhere. You could eat them fresh or you can eat them dried. So what Jesus is describing, any child in Israel could understand. Verse 30, Jesus said, when a fig tree is already budding, already budding, you know summer is near. Now, there's a lot of people, listen to me, saints, there are a lot of people that have taken uh, passages like this, which are very simple to understand, and they have made them uh, very complicated and difficult to understand. And the reason is, they say, for example, here in Luke chapter 21, verse 29, they say the fig tree represents Israel. Now, I will tell you this. Please listen to me closely. The fig tree in much of the Bible does represent Israel. Over and over throughout the Old Testament in Ezekiel and in Jeremiah and in many other places in the Old Testament, the fig tree is symbolic of and it does represent Israel. But they say the fig tree represents Israel, and the budding of the fig tree is when Israel became a state, May 14, 1948. And they say from that date, the generation that saw the budding of Israel, the fig tree, would not pass away. And so for many years, people have tried to figure out what a biblical generation is. And you can ask 10 people what is a biblical generation, and 10 people will give you 10 different answers. Some people say a biblical generation is 100 years. Some people say a biblical generation is 37 years. Some people say a biblical generation is 40 years. Actually, most people believe that a biblical generation is 40 years. 
So then there was this guy by the name of Edgar Wisenot, who was not wise, in that he wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. And he wrote that book because of May 14th, 1948, add 40 years, which in to him was a biblical generation, you come, up with 19, you come up with 1988. And so he wrote a book saying that Jesus was going to come in 1988. Well, we all know that Jesus did not come in 1988. Do we all know that? Okay. If we know that, please raise your hand. All right. I'm just trying to make sure because if, if, if one person doesn't know that, I'm going to have to start the church again. Something's going to have to change. Jesus did not come in 1988. So when Jesus didn't come in 1988, Mr. Not Wise then wrote a book, 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1989. All based on Israel being the fig tree and based on this text. Listen, somebody once said this. They said, when plain sense makes good sense, seek no other sense. When plain sense makes good sense, seek no other sense. I personally believe, listen, I personally do not believe that the fig tree here in Luke 21, 29 represents Israel. So what does the fig tree represent, Rodney? Listen, I believe the fig tree represents, drum roll please, you're going to love this. I believe the fig tree represents the fig tree. That's amazing, isn't it? I've blown you away with it. I'm profound. The fig tree represents the fig tree. Listen, Jesus, there are several... Jesus is using a very, very common, natural illustration. Jesus is saying, when you look at a fig tree and it's budding, what does that tell you? It tells you that summer is almost here. Crank up the barbie. When you go outside and you hear the birds singing and the bees buzzing and the wasps wasping and your eyes are itching because algaes are hitting, what does that, what, what does that mean? It means that summer is near. Or when you see a politician campaigning, what does that mean? Evil is near. I mean, I mean, election, the election is near. I don't, where did that come from? It happened three times. Election is near. So when you see, when you see the, the cataclysmic events happening, it's this simple, saints. When you see these cataclysmic events happening in the earth that Jesus previously talked about that, and we've talked about, we know that the kingdom of God is near. This is exactly what he said. Now, there will be people, listen, understand, there will be people who will miss the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church, okay, let's get this clear. The rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus are two different events. The rapture of the church could take place in the moment in a twinkling of an eye. In any moment, the Bible says that God, the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then us folk who are still alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord as a bride in the air. 
That's the rapture of the church. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. You ought to be excited about that. And that could happen, listen, any time. If you're a believer, you could be snatched. And the word rapture literally means to be violently snatched away. If you are a believer, now if you're not a believer, you're not going in the rapture. Let's get clear. Pastor, just keeping it real. But if you're a believer, you'll be snatched off the earth just like that. The rapture of the church is when Jesus is coming for the church. The second coming is different. It's when Jesus is coming with the church. Jesus is coming physically and bodily. He is coming with the church in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And there are some people who are going to miss the rapture. I remember talking to a guy some time ago, and I was telling him, I said, you know, you know, you, you know, telling him about the end times and so on and so forth. And I said, you don't want to miss the rapture. And I said, don't you want to know Jesus now so you can miss the rapture? And he said, no. He said, you know, I, I'll, I'll take my chances. I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances. I said to him, I said, you know, that is the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. You'll take your chances. You want to be here during the seven years of what the Bible calls the time of Jacob's trouble. You want to be here during the tribulation when literally all hell will break loose. No, I'm not cussing. I'm telling you what's going to happen. He said, oh, I'll take my chance. Not everybody is going to be in the rapture. Not everybody. Some people are going to go through the tribulation And hopefully, when they witness, we've talked about this, these false Christs, or what I call the Emmanuel imposters, when they see wars and devastation and and disaster beyond all comprehension and wide, worldwide chaos, they will hear about the Antichrist. Hopefully, hopefully when they hear that the Antichrist is making, you know, uh, bringing peace to the Middle East and solving the big rock problem, of the Dome of the Rock and the temple being established on, on, on what is Mount Moriah right there together. When that person comes and solves that problem, the Jewish people are going to hail him as the Messiah. And hopefully when that person who took their chances, when they hear about these things, that they will think about the conversations that I've had with them. Hopefully they will smarten up and run to the Calvary bookstore and get my CDs on Revelation and listen to them. And by the way, you can have them for free. You can take every matter of fact, you can have everything in there for free. Because I ain't going to be here. I'm not going to care. I will not be here to collect the money. So anything you want, I don't know. I'm not going to be here. Y'all going to be here? Where, where are my people at? Y'all, I, I'm not going to be here. You can have it all. You can have my house. Are you homeless, sweetie? Because I got an extra room. I mean, you can have it after I'm raptured. You can't have it now. Not unless you want a payment. And, uh, but you can, you can have it all. Hopefully they'll listen to those CDs, understand that the things that we've been talking about and the things that the scripture has said are true, and they'll repent and they'll be saved and they'll be ready to meet the Lord when he comes in his second coming. Just as the fig tree has tender branches and with new leaves, you know that summer is near. 
So the generation of the people who live during and through the tribulation will see the coming of Jesus Christ. Now listen, you're free to disagree with me. There are people who disagree with this position, and you're free to do that. The Lord will work it all out and show you that I'm right, and it'll be all over with. But you're free to disagree with that. Most Some people disagree with that. Look at verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will, somebody say it with me, never pass away. Isaiah, write it down. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. It says this, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands for a short period of time. Is that what it says? The word of our God stands for how long? Forever. Now, the second law of thermodynamics says that everything is going from order to disorder, from order to disorder. We can see that the paint on your house is peeling. The car is rusting. The weeds are growing. Your hair goes from a nice, thick, luscious head of hair to this. (laughs) Those of you that have nice, thick, luscious hair right now. This is what you got to look forward to. You got a six pack and you think you all ripped up. Yeah. You think you all ripped up, you got a six pack? Well, listen, your six pack will one day be a one pack. Just a one pack because the thermo, second law of thermodynamics says everything goes from order to disorder. Man is frail and fleeting and things are fading, but the only thing that lasts is the word of God. Can somebody say amen? amen. The word of God. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. Yes, I will. The word of God endures forever. In the Greek language, the word forever means forever. In the book, Evidence demands a verdict. Josh McDowell, perhaps you're familiar with him. Josh McDowell wrote this, talking about the word of God. Written on material that perishes, having to be copied and recopied for hundreds of years before the invention of the printing press, did not diminish its style, correctness, or existence. The Bible, compared with other ancient writings, has more manuscript evidence than any ten pieces of classical literature combined. God's word endures, and it doesn't change. In 303 AD, the Roman emperor Diocletian demanded that every copy of the scriptures in the Roman Empire be burned, and he failed. And 25 years later, the Roman emperor Constantine commissioned a scholar named Eusebius to prepare 50 copies of the Bible at the government expense. God's word endures. Voltaire, you know that name? The skeptic, the French skeptic and infidel who died in 1778 said that a hundred years from his time, Christianity would be swept from existence and pass into history and that the Bible would be forgotten, a forgotten book. Only 50 years after his death, get this saints, 50 years after his death, the Geneva Bible Society used his press and his house to produce stacks of Bibles. God's word endures forever, and God has a sense of humor. I love that. Someone once wrote this. Infidels for 1,800 years have been refuting and overthrowing this book, talking about the Bible, and yet it stands today solid as a rock. Its circulation increases, and it is more loved and cherished and read today 
than ever before. Infidels with all their assaults make about as much impression on this book as a man with a tack hammer would on the pyramids of Egypt. When the French monarch proposed the persecution of the Christians in his dominion, an old statesman and warrior said to him, Sire, the church of God is an anvil that has worn out many hammers. And so the hammers of the infidels have been pecking away at this book for ages, but the hammers are worn out and the anvil still endures. If this book has not been, had not been the book of God, men would have destroyed it long ago. Emperors and popes and kings and priests and princes and rulers have all tried their hand at destroying this book, but they die and the book lives on. Isn't that right? This is the Bible. This is the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving earth. The Bible has endured many criticisms. Christianity, people have been trying to destroy Christianity since Christianity's inception. People have been trying to disprove the resurrection since the resurrection happened. And no one has ever been able and successful. Why? Because Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word endures forever. Somebody clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about. Would you do that? God's word endures forever. Now, in the event that you are on the earth during the tribulation, Jesus gives you a word of encouragement. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass. So don't lose hope and don't give up. Your redemption is near. He's talking about the immutability of his word. That word immutability means it doesn't change. In other words, what God has spoken cannot be broken. You need to write that down. What God has spoken cannot be broken. The heavens will pass away and the earth will pass away, but my words won't pass. His word is eternal and infallible. And in his word, he says that he is coming back to the earth and I believe it. I believe it. Where are my people at? I believe it. And people say, oh, you screwball Christians. You've been talking about Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. You screwball Christians. Listen, put me in the category of the screwball Christians. Because I believe that Jesus is coming back someday. And I believe, listen, watch this. You're going to love it. I believe we are closer to the return of Jesus than any other generation that has ever walked the earth what do you mean, Rodney? What I mean is there are things that the Bible tells us that need to be in place before the coming of the Lord. Now, yes, the apostles and the prophets have always talked about the coming of the Lord. And I think that's right, because first John chapter three, verse three tells us that the, the hope of the coming of the Lord has a purifying effect on us. So we need to continue to talk about the coming of the Lord. But there are things that needed to be in place before the Lord comes that were not in place 50 years ago, but are in place now. For example, Revelation talks about these two men who are lying in the street dead and the whole world sees them. Well, 50 years ago, that was not possible. Today, that is possible. When I returned from Saudi Arabia for um, Operation Desert Storm, I uh, got home. The uh, first thing I did was turn on the news, and we were bombing some facility in, um, I believe it was El Jubal. We were bombing some facility there. 
And, and we watch that we, the world, watch that bombing happen in real time. In real time. Well, that wasn't possible 50 years ago. It is possible right now. Things needed to be in place before the coming of the Lord. We've been talking about that for weeks now. So I believe that we are closer to the return of the Lord than any other generation. And you can call me a screwball Christian all you want. I will tell you this. I believe that you are a screwball if you believe that a man is going to come and bring peace to the entire world. That one man is going to come and settle all the problems between the, 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 the nations. Listen, there will never be peace. Listen, there will never be peace on earth until the Prince of Peace is reigning on the throne. Never. There'll always be wars and there'll always be rumors of wars. Jesus is coming again. And so... Here we have in verse 34 through 37, we just read it. Take heed, go ahead and look at verse 34. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Listen, if you know that Jesus is coming, take heed to yourselves. It doesn't say take heed for your wife. It doesn't say take heed for your husband. It doesn't say take heed for your children or your best friend. This is a personal application. Take heed to yourselves. It means to be on guard. Don't get lazy. Don't give up. Don't cave in. Lest your heart become heavy and weighed down with carousing or drunkenness. And that day, the word that day refers to the tribulation. That day comes upon you unaware. The idea here is as we look at the condition of the world and we know that Jesus is coming back, that it should have an effect on the way that you live. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.